0: And Welcome our fellow lovers of love and thank you for joining us on this excursion, uh, on this excursion through the rough waters of, (laughs) 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 through the rapids of, what the heck is the saying anyway, it's through the river rapids of, of, oh, something or another. Lake of Tranquility and welcome to the Lake of Love. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been that kind of a week. Just,
1: just yeah.
0: <laughs> Why not? We'll just completely butcher the beginning of it. it. Fits along with the rest of the week. We're coming to you live from the cell phone on the, on the, what the hell, carport outside, outside Castle de Love, you know? Um,
1: Castle de Love
0: old Lubby over there just did not want to be in front of the camera so we have special guest Mr. Bear is here joining us tonight as you know give you guys something more attractive to look at than me or just my hair how long can y'all stand just to look at the hair but
1: (laughs) not with the hair
0: it's going to be one of those days it's just (laughs) going to be one of those days (laughs) And because, yeah, the Internet's down. That's been a fun experience. You know, at the same time, dealing with my health issues and the vision kind of slowly going away. It's, it, man, I've been on a roller coaster this week.
1: Well, you've maintained good, good spirits throughout. You, you've you been doing at least outwardly. You've <laughs> been <laughs> doing a good job.
0: That was going to be my thing. Yes, I've done a good job doing it outwardly. But it's it's turmoil. But in, internally, fine. Terminal well, may be a little extreme, but it's not been fun. You know, I'm emotional. I'm starting to get emotionally tired. I think is what it is. And then you just get things compounding. You know, one thing starts to move, and then the you know the, the healthcare stuff starts to finally get moving in a positive direction, all a bit slowly, it, but it starts moving in the positive direction. This Test results came back. They're still progressing in the right direction slowly <laughs> you know so everything in that area is going and then the internet goes out and you know it's probably not the greatest time for a minute to be locked in my head you know yeah and then i have to sit in this i'm gonna see how this see if i can uh manage this one i've got this kind of strange duality that many of us not just me many of us are living these days is you know, my injuries are because of a medical treatment that is now common. Everybody's is or isn't doing it these days. You all can understand what I'm talking about. And yet recently today, one of my best friends from childhood's funeral was today. You know, I didn't have a driver. I wasn't feeling that good, so I couldn't go. And he passed away from COVID. So, you know, I actually have this duality this week where I'm, you've got this... You know, my health issues from the treatment for that. And yet, you know, a childhood friend passed away because, you know, I don't know his status, of whether it was pre-treated or not or any of that. It's none of my business. It's not relevant to the fact that you've lost a childhood friend, you know. And so you've got all this sitting on you, you know, but not just me. It's everybody else. I'm not the only one. How many people's lives have been uprooted and lost loved ones while they're dealing with their own health issues one way or another? And we've all lost empathy with each other. We all want the world to be simple. We want silver bullet solutions. And we don't want to look at anything that makes it complicated because it's hard and painful. So what are we going to do? You know, and I don't mind sitting here coming on to here telling people that, you know, it's been a struggle because, you know, the hope is, is that if people see that, you know, you can struggle and you can struggle publicly, then they can struggle privately and still come out the other side. And I was thinking today, you know, one of the things that actually helps get me through this is knowing that there's people who struggle with and, and, get through situations much more difficult than mine, with much less love and support than I do. And it's not to minimize my, my struggle or what I'm going through. It's that somebody else has done more. I can do this. I get strength from their strength. I'm not minimizing what I'm going through. I'm pulling strength from them. And you hope that maybe you can do that for somebody else. So, if memory serves on that list, we had two uh, items of philosophy down there. Let's hit one for this first half.
1: No matter what people tell you, words and ideas can change the world.
0: Well, I think we were just discussing, really, that you never know. You never know. You know, you might be the voice in the night that saves somebody from going down a dark path. And uh, ten years later, They can change the world somehow. They may not have forgotten about that night. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You can change the world. You don't know. That's why we talk about putting positive ripples out into the universe. Be as positive as possible. You know, even while you're struggling, even during your struggles. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. No one expects perfection. You know, everybody has their bad days and isn't the person they want to be. But that you strive to be the person you want to be is the point. And if you do that, and we all try to do that, everybody's life becomes a little better. You know, back when we worked in assembly the line there was a, a saying we used to have, do one little thing to make the next guy's job easier. Find one little thing. About your jobs that can make the next guy's job easier, and if everybody does that, everybody's job is a little easier. <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing how that works. Even if it's just how hey, I'm going to be a little neater in how I stack this stuff. Well, that makes the next guy's job easier. And so, there's lots of ways to to put something positive into the world. You don't never know. Maybe that guy needed that day to be easier that day. You know, maybe he was training for a new position and he needs as much help from those people surrounding him as possible. And that culture is uh, helpful in doing that. And that doesn't apply to just you know, work life. It applies to our daily lives and how we interact with each other. And I know we don't talk politics here, but it, should apply to our political life, but for whatever reason we don't apply that and it's a sad thing okay so we've got a laundry list of things to talk about and we have no idea how long if the show's going to go an hour tonight or not so it's just going to go how long it goes or or to an hour because <laughs> i don't think love is up for going late tonight all right so what we got
1: He's 17 years old, a good age to get a phone. My daughter is 17 and she's asking for one, but I don't know if she's old or not.
0: Well, in the modern world, 17 is older than enough to have a phone. You can't really navigate modern life without a phone. Now, you don't need the latest and greatest phone. You need something that can work relatively well in the modern world. Yeah. You don't need to get them the great thing. Just get them one that works. And it's plenty old enough. Because in a year, they're going to be on their own. They need practice. I say this forever. Childhood is for practice. You have to give them opportunities to practice the, the tools and skills that they need in adulthood. And they can't do that if you don't let them. They're going to go into the modern world where everybody else is is you know, comfortable using these devices, she can be behind. You're not actually at this stage, you're not doing any favors. Wanting to teach them how to do it properly, how to put limits on things. Great. You know, we all have our own ways of doing that. I'm not going to judge, but you have to prepare them for the modern world. And in 18, they're in the modern world next year. And you, if you, haven't prepared them
1: and that's on you. Yeah. Okay. I'm 18. I live with my parents. Can they really grab me from my car just because I don't have a job?
0: Well, okay. First we got to have to a couple things. One, is this actually your car? I mean, did you actually at some point buy it with your own money or was it actually a genuine gift or are they letting you use their car? Those are two different things. If it's actually your car in your name, it was a gift or you purchased it yourself. No, they can't ground you from your car, but they can decide to not let you use their car. You're perfectly quitting their rights. You know, whether I would do it or not is not relevant.
1: Oh, How, how's it going to right? gonna go for job interviews and go looking for jobs?
0: Well, there's other ways. These things don't happen for no reason. I mean, unless you have really strict parents, but at some point you were given a car, access to a car, you've done something to lose access. That would be my guess. There, there's something behind this story we're not hearing. And it, it, I would assume, having raised five kids and been part of raising another couple.
1: It's,
0: <laughs> it's These things don't happen for no reason. Yeah, Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You know, there's some additional math to this equation that we're not hearing and but again if it's your car then no they can't no they don't have to give you gas money they don't have to pay for your insurance they don't have to do any of that other stuff but they can't ground you from your car you're an adult and it's your car but you know everything else is what it is but my guess is yeah, go fix the rest of the equation and you can fix that problem. And you may have to work at a crappy dishwashing job or fast food job for six months. We all did. I don't know anybody that, you know, unless they went right straight to college, didn't. And even most of the people in college ended up working in the cafeteria or something for at least a half a semester. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah because they got behind on bills and they had to do something. Yeah. Almost, almost universal. <laughs> if having to work in a kitchen at some point, it's almost universal. <laughs> it's the, one of the almost universal things. That's why everybody hates it.
1: <laughs> okay. My son is 14 and shares a room with his three brothers, 12, 10 and nine. We have a tree house lately. He has been getting a sleeping bag and sleeping in there. Should I let him?
0: Well, when the weather's nice, sure. I mean, assuming, uh, assuming all things are other created equal here, assuming you've got no other reasons to be concerned, and the weather's nice, sure, let him do it. Because, But all he really wants is some peace and quiet and privacy. That's all he really wants. And that's how he's going to get it. That's it. Do you imagine a room that? I raised three boys in one room. It, it's not fun for anybody. And so the fact that he wants some space is
1: perfectly normal. Perfectly yeah. Normal,
0: normal. Yeah. Now maybe let him sleep on the couch. You know. So hey, you know, if you need some space, go ahead and go sleep on the couch or something like that. Oh,
1: that's a good idea.
0: If you're actually concerned about safety, that kind of thing, but it's perfectly normal. And you know, it's maybe it's time to. If you have an option, I get it. You know, times are tough and there may not be room and all that kind of thing. But if there's time to think about different options, it may be time to think about different options. Splitting them up into two. The older's and the younger. If you can. Or, you know, letting someone sleep on the couch. (laughs) If that's what they want to do. If that's what they want to do. You know, because... You know, nice weather, it's one thing. You can't sleep in the treehouse in winter. Well, unless you're in, like, Palm Springs or San Diego or someplace. But for most people, you can't sleep outside in the wintertime. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not a, necessarily a safe option, depending upon the neighborhood you live in. So, but it's time to think about other options if you can find them. So He's telling you. You're just not saying it. I'm
1: 19. I had a fight with my parents. They want me out and are willing to pay me 20000 to leave. They won't let me have my car. They want me to start from basically zero. I want to go to a tech college. What's the first thing to do?
0: Okay, well, one, they're not wanting you to start from zero. They're wanting you to start with $20,000. That's not zero. And- <laughs> uh, uh, no no it's their car and that's fine it's not your car that's clearly their car if it was your car it'd be your car be in your name it's not in your name it's the car they have been allowing you to use now what you guys did what you're all fighting about and whether it's a you know reasonable time to you know hey some it's time to move on sometimes as parents right as parents and children it's time to get out the house and they're actually helping you willing to pay you 20 give you 20 grand to move that's first last six months rent you can pay six months rent somewhere with 20 grand buy yourself a cheap beater car, and go get yourself a job what more do you want they are being as generous as any parent actually could possibly be while still telling you to get the heck out it's one of these things is you need to be appreciative of what they're actually giving you it's not zero if you're actually very careful you could live a year off of that 20 grand without even having to work if you were careful got roommates and that kind of thing 6 months easy it's not zero and tech colleges are scams go to an online school Western Governors University, someplace like that. FAFSA covers most of you, will cover most of your uh, most of your expenses, and work a part time
1: job. That's what I would suggest. Yeah, that's a very mm-hmm. good start. Twenty thousand. Good heavens!
0: Yeah, most of us would have. I started with a card sleeping in the back seat of a Volkswagen 1969 Volkswagen Bug. So, you know.
1: (laughs) We, my mother had zilch to offer. I had to join the army to get the heck out of Dodge.
0: And I, you know, and I want to be clear. I've, you know, we have, we are blessed by a a family that blesses. And so we get to count our blessings every night.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so count your blessings of what they're giving you. sense because it's not zero that's what you need to that's the frame you need to rechange it's not zero they are actually giving you a hell of a head start say thank you sorry we fought we'll work this out over time but I would do and you will you'll work it out over time
1: Okay. My fiancé said it isn't cruel to kick one's child out of the house on their 18th birthday for no other reason than they are now an adult, and they have to be reliant on themselves. Is this true?
0: Well, A, if you haven't prepared them for it, it's definitely cruel. Now, if you have prepared them for it, whether it's cruel or not is open to interpretation, perspective. I, personally, in the modern world, it is, but... It, it's for most of human history, you reach the age of adulthood, whatever that age was, 12, 13, 18. That's what happened as an adult male, once, as, especially as a male. Once you hit adulthood, you were out. And it's just you were expected to take care of yourself. Of course, this was at a time when, it, when you actually could go find a spatch of land, stake your claim and, and scratch out an existence. You can't do that anymore, especially in major cities in the United States. Sitting an 18-year-old out on their own with no resources, you haven't prepared them properly. I couldn't do it. Whether it's cruel or not, but I couldn't do it. you know, personally, I find it a bit excessive. I mean, you don't stop raising your child at their 18th birth.
1: They don't stop being your child. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't stop being responsible for them. You may be legally no longer responsible for them. But morally and ethically and all those areas, uh, issues that come into play. I was hoping we didn't get any life flight helicopters tonight. It's always a sad thing when I have to hear these things. Either the life flight or the police one. In our neighborhood, it could, could be either. It doesn't sound like either one. We're sorry. We're just... it's. We hear helicopters all the time around here. It's not an uncommon occurrence. And so that helicopter just, it's quieter. It
1: doesn't sound right.
0: Yeah, it's quieter than most lifelight helicopters. It doesn't have the wop wop that the police Huey has. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a, uh, that's too low for a uh, TV. Helicopter. Maybe it's an out-of-town life light coming in, bringing up, coming in from out of town. Yeah, that, that. Anyway, so
1: we're at. Is it time for a new one?
0: I don't know. What was the last one? <laughs> <laughs>
1: was it cruel to to yeah, really take not, your? It, yeah, it, it, that, that if it's not it.
0: cruel, it's, it's unethical.
1: It's unethical. Okay, as a parent, what would you do if your teenager says people only leftovers for dinner when they're poor? <laughs> to be eating leftovers for,
0: for, three, for what, two out of three meals? They'd learned a lesson. I mean, but if your child says that to you, you have to actually understand you've done something wrong. They got that attitude from you or from the people, you know, you didn't correct the attitude that their surroundings was giving them. So, You have to understand, you know, children are raised and you have to accept responsibility before you can for yourself before you can accept force them to accept the responsibility for that kind of backward thinking. Leftovers simply mean you made too much. Sometimes some things like lasagna, you're better off making too much because a lot of people like it more remade. My whole family loves lasagna the next day you know they like it the next day they don't prefer it the next so you know they like it reheated do you want it the leftover you know french fries leftover not so much it's just the quality is different and so there's some of that is that something you know but this notion that you would even say that is a general rule you've done something wrong you need to figure out what messages you're teaching your children accidentally or messages the well, what messages society is teaching your children that you aren't correcting properly is the other way to look at that. You might be you might be teaching the right messages, but they're learning something somewhere else and you're not actively correcting that. You know, I had to actively work. You know, we live on the edge of the ghetto, I had to actively work to correct the influences. My boys were raised around. <laughs> you know, you can't just let these things go by themselves and you can do it with a light touch but you do have to actively pair it okay what's next oh we're on the last page we want to go back how, how much time we had to
1: about two pages
0: how much time we in?
1: we're at nine twenty-two.
0: So we only been nine minutes
1: it's, 23. Oh. it's 9.23. It's nine
0: twenty-three. It's been twenty-three
1: minutes.
0: No, we actually started a few minutes earlier. I thought he said nine twenty what? That's only been nine minutes. What the hell is that? <laughs> 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 I mean, but I know it, it. seemed quicker than that. It seemed like I, I didn't. I know it seemed quicker, but you know, I'm pretty good about time. I'm, a, I'm an experienced TV host now. I don't know, podcast host, director. I understand how time works. Nine minutes? What the hell? Yeah. Um, I really am disconnected from the world. Disconnected from the internet. I come up discombobulated. <laughs> but speaking of discombobulated, we're going to create our break right here and we are back no we're not going to actually take a break we're just going to roll right through there a because i have no way to turn off the microphones easily unless you want to find the mute button while you go no no
1: no we'll just roll on through all
0: right so welcome packed for us we want to remind you that you can find this at anchor f no all right let's see if i can do this we'll restart Thank you for coming back (laughs) and joining us for the second half of this. You can always find this at latenightlove.us. Facebook.com slash love. You can find us at Late Night Love on all the other social media platforms. And you can find me at Jazzrack on Twitter. And you can send... Lobby over there, an email at love at late night love dot u s. I change that to lobby. I if we should change that to lobby. No. I can I I control the email server. I can do whatever I want.
1: You could. You could. I, I should. I, mean, I should do that.
0: I should just personalize it a little bit. Uh, so we had some philosophy uh comment there up there.
1: When you do something beautiful. And nobody noticed. to not be sad. For the sun every morning. Is a beautiful spectacle. And yet most of the audience. Still sleep.
0: Well yes. Because beauty is. When you do something beautiful. Or loving. Kind. Compassionate. Whatever euphemism. You want to put on there. You don't do it for recognition. You do it because it makes you, it fulfills the person you want to become, and you want to be. Now, there are some people who need, have a need, a desire for public affirmation. They generally, they feed off of it. But for most of us, All we really want to do is satisfy our own selves. We want to see ourselves being the person we want ourselves to be. And it is such a hard thing because we put ourselves up. We have this weird thing where we put ourselves up on this pedestal that's literally impossible to reach because no matter how good we make ourselves, you know, if you're a good human being, you will always find some way to want to be better. And then we judge ourselves because we don't harshly because we don't get to this
1: <laughs> to the idea <laughs>
0: to this yeah. ideal that we have yeah. created to ourselves for ourselves, So we do it to ourselves. But in a strange things, it's also what drives us to become better people. If you don't do that, you never have a nothing, to, anything to chase for. You know, it's a sense like you know the old saying is you put, you know, you have a with the fishing pole on uh, taped to your back so you have the, you know, the bait dangling in front of you and you keep running and trying to chase it but you can never catch it. But you're always moving forward. You know, so there's a beauty in that. And And so trying to do something beautiful, making something beautiful, being a beautiful human being for its own sake is its own reward. And will other people notice it eventually you may not notice that exact thing but they'll notice the great composite that is your life the beautiful thing that you have created of yourself and that's
1: the real goal okay Okay, I smashed the job interview, but a candidate that did worse than me got the job, and I didn't. How do I convince them they made the wrong choice?
0: Well, how do you know you smashed the interview? You don't know what they were looking for. You think you smashed the interview. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you are a completely wrong cultural fit. Maybe you're not what they're looking for. Maybe your version of smashing an interview is actually tanking an interview. You know, you don't, that's the problem. You don't actually know what somebody else is looking for in that interview. But here's the thing I always tell people. Why do you want to work for some, for some place that didn't want you to work there? It's their loss. Move on and find something better. but my guess is you probably didn't smash the interview as well as you think you did. It's one of those things you've told yourself something that isn't exactly true, but there's also another thing. That other person could simply be more qualified. That's what it is. You can hear the walk. walk. (laughs) Okay. but it's, uh, you know, the other person could have simply been more qualified and the interview is all he had to do was not screw it up. You know, maybe your resume, you had to smash it, but he didn't have to. His resume spoke for him. His accomplishments spoke for him. Yeah. And here's a little hint about interviews. Ever know what they're actually looking for? Just be yourself. Because that's why you just be yourself and be as honest as you can answer questions. Because you don't know what they're looking for. And what you actually want to do is be with people who want you. Not some painted false version of you. You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. But go on YouTube, look at um a YouTube channel, I think it's Life After Layoff, I think is the name of a YouTube channel I watch for people who give tips about interviewing and he's a headhunter. So and he gives advice about tips and tricks and you know what to look for, which companies don't want to look for, you don't want to look for. You know, tells you the things in an interview to red flags, you know, those kind of things. So, expand your horizon of what you think a good interview is. All right, move on. Sorry.
1: <clears throat> Should you stop to help someone that's having car problems?
0: Well, that's not a simple question. One, you have to be able to. You have to be competent enough to actually be able to help. And in the modern world, if all you can do is offer a cell phone, they probably have one. So... You know, and, and if you're a young single woman, it's probably not a good idea, type of thing. You know, if you, but, you know, back in the old days when I was young, stopping to help someone who had a broken down car was something you did if you had tools with you and had knowledge because getting stranded on the road, there was no cell phones. <laughs> you know, it was actually more dangerous to leave someone stranded than it was to stop and help. But nowadays, with cell phones and it's so easy to connect with other people, it's, it's less of a moral imperative to help the traveler on the road. It used to be a big thing because someone could be stranded. Remember, I was stranded in the middle of nowhere with my car broken down. if yeah, that, that have, was awful. Yeah, and I had just had bad cell phone reception. Matter of that, I had none. Matter if fact, cell phones didn't exist.
1: Still be out there.
0: <laughs> I would not. It would have just been a long walk to the next phone. <laughs> it, would, it would have been a couple hours. It wouldn't. You know, it would have been the end of the world. But still, <laughs> you're stuck out. in them yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a whole different world now than it was used to be. So, no, it, you don't have to. And if you're not, if you don't have any skills, and the modern cars are all computers, there's not much you can actually do other than offer a phone. Or offer to sit with someone and make, make sure they're safe while the tow truck or, or someone gets there. Or the Uber comes to pick them up or whatever it is. That's really all you can do. You know, if, I suppose if they're out of gas, you can take them to a gas station. But who carries gas cans around with them anymore? There's just not much you can do. Okay.
1: My 18-year-old son is threatening to break his Android smartphone unless I buy him a new bike. What should I do? Should I listen to him and buy him a new one? I should laugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Lovey there answered the question that's good for you. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But my question is the reason he's <laughs> trying that, because for some, at some point you've taught him that that kind of thing will work. He's not going to threaten to break his stuff to get you to buy him something else unless it has worked at some point in the past. So no, you shouldn't buy him the bicycle. That'd be ridiculous. (laughs) You have to break this habit now. said, well, if you break your cell phone, you're not getting another one of those either, so you're going to have to make a choice. What do you want? Do you want a cell phone or...
1: No, no cell bike phone.
0: Uh, You want a cell phone and no bike? Or do you want no cell phone and no bike?
1: <laughs> 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 and
0: and you know, he thinks he can make and here's the other side. You know, these the children think they can make your life hell. But you have to remember, you know, this, this is one of my children. So I give you a great big sandbox to play in. Don't cross out of it because the wrath of God will come down. And they almost never crossed out of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's the way I explained it to my girls too. You get a lot of freedom, yeah. But you step out of line, and you know, I've I was very clear about where the boundaries were. That's the other thing; you have to make clear where the boundaries are.
0: Well, I was a little less clear where the boundaries are, but that's because I have boys in the in the ghetto, and so you know it's. They kind of knew where the boundaries were, you know, because I was also a big believer in natural consequences. So, you know, like when Michael jumped off the roof, I didn't get mad at him. It's, he eventually smashed himself in the face with his knee and stopped. Peterman, <laughs> <laughs> his leg had been a couple more inches to the to the left, right, anyway. If he had smashed his nose. He'd have smashed his nose, but he got lucky. He just smashed himself in the forehead with his knee. <laughs> Yeah, and he stopped jumping off the roof then. You know, I didn't get Why did I have to get mad? Nature already t- punished him. Well, there's nothing I can do that's going to be worse than that.
1: <laughs>
0: so, you know, so there are things, you know, pick your battles, but that's a battle to pick. Yeah, and at some point, you've taught him a bad lesson, you're going to have to uh, teach him. And it's gonna suck. So I uh, I feel I feel bad for you, but it is what it is. Parenting isn't always fun. Yeah, a lot of times you're fixing mistakes you've made. Yeah. Get used to it. It's gonna happen more. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it's just going to keep happening. You know, children are children. Okay.
1: What reason should I give in an interview for leaving a four-month-old job?
0: Well, you give as honest of an answer as possible without bad mouthing the previous company. Now, you don't have to tell them you worked anywhere. If you've already told them, I suppose it is. But if you know, if you had a job where you were just a crappy employee and they fired you after four months, you don't have to put that on your resume. No one ever has to know you work there. You know, (laughs) you can just leave that off. (laughs) You know, they ask for your work history. You get to tell them your work history. (laughs) You don't have to tell them the crappy work history. You could just put the good ones down. And then you'd have to explain a, a gap, but that's easier. That's easy to explain. You know, those are easy things to come up with. Yeah, I was struggling to find work. I was look uh, I had narrowed my work search too too narrowly and I was looking for work in a specific field and I've now decided to branch out. You know, it was a bad strategy. Yeah, you know, it's bullshit, but you know <laughs> you know, but now I don't like lying, but you don't have to tell them that, you know. Or oh, you can actually say, "I tried many different opportunities; none of them were actually long enough worth mentioning because we just didn't fit." There's all kinds of ways you can explain that. Those a cultural didn't fit. Our cultures didn't fit is a good one. Yeah. So I didn't fit with the culture. It wasn't a match. Cultural match.
1: That kind of thing. Okay. If your parents raised you without caring about what you do, cool parents, is this how you plan to raise your own children?
0: Well, your parents didn't raise you without caring what you did. They let nature teach you the lessons. There's a different. And you had proven them that you could handle responsibility. There's two sides to that coin. It's not that they let you do whatever they wanted to do. You had you had one proven you can handle responsibility and you know two there are parents who allowed you know nature to teach the lesson you know there's no you're, you're a child you have to practice you can't practice if your parents are hovering over you all the damn time you know it's just a parenting style and most of us what we try to do is we look at the way our parents raised us and we try to take out the worst things. And then we make our own huge mistake.
1: <laughs> yes indeed.
0: You know, we just try to we try to do not the worst things that they do. We end up making our own worst things that our children try not to do and and it's this big thing because you know, let's face it, none of us are Mary Poppins.
1: None of us. Why do people say mother in law instead of just mother? Well,
0: because they're not their mother.
1: That's exactly right. Shame (laughs) on mama. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I suppose there are some that are probably really close and develop their relationships and they kind of drop the in laws type thing, you know, in in casual conversation. But, you know, maybe they call them mom, you know, but they can refer to them to their friend as my mother in law. It's just because it's. Because
1: you identify who that person is.
0: Yeah. Now, you may have a close enough relationship where you call them mom or mother or or whatever it is. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily common, nor should it be ever required. That's a relationship that evolves and develops. And you ever try to force that kind of thing, you're going to ruin it. So if you actually want that kind of tight relationship with your in-laws, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a tight relationship with your in-laws, but you can't expect it. It's going to have to evolve and develop naturally. It's the only way it's going to happen. Try to force these things and you ruin it.
1: Okay. I received a, a dozen HDDs when I ordered one through Amazon. A month later, the seller contacted me and demanded to return the HDDs back. Do I have to return them?
0: Well, morally and ethically, if he's willing, if he's paying for the shipping, yes, you return them. You, know, you shouldn't have to pay for shipping. It was his mistake. But yeah, you didn't buy those. Now, a lot of times, if it had been one, it's more expensive for them to pay to ship it back than the hard drive is worth. They're going to ignore it. But for 12, yeah, you should do. So sure, give me a shipping label and I'm happy to send them back to you. Why would you want to keep something that was clearly a mistake? Why didn't you contact your the seller and say, "Hey, you accidentally sent me a dozen instead of one." You know, your shipping clerk made a big mistake. Why wouldn't you try to fix it? The problem isn't the seller, the problem is you. You want something for nothing. Now, you shouldn't have to pay. Don't get me wrong. You shouldn't have to pay to send these things back. It wasn't your mistake. So he shouldn't, if he's asking you to pay for it, you perfectly reasonable to tell him to bite you.
1: <laughs>
0: but, but if he's going kind of willing to send you a UPS label or, or pay for the shipping, then ship them back to him. Quit being a dick.
1: Okay, now we're getting into the mental health. We have three mental health questions. We're at nine forty-three. I didn't. I misunderstood. I didn't set a timer.
0: That's no, all right. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll end early. We don't have to go, and we only got what seventeen minutes. Yeah, we will end a few minutes early tonight.
1: That's okay. Great. All right. <coughs> these are for you. you. Can you hi- hide your hypomanic episodes from others?
0: I want to get I got these from a, a bipolar newsletter.
1: I cannot hide my... I couldn't... I, I'm i on good medication now. I don't have the high highs like I used to. And I was never very good at hiding them. Uh, I was giddy. It's kind of hard to hide giddy. Well, my guess is
0: this. What if people never saw the other side?
1: What other side?
0: The depressed side. If all if the only time people got, because the only time you got out was you were in your manic, and so the only time certain people saw you was when you were giddy, it'd be easy to hide it from them, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Or even if they saw you kind of neutral to, to giddy, and they never really saw, you know, lots of people get giddy and neutral. It's nothing unusual. that's It's anybody who has to see the full spectrum of you, you can't hide it from. You can't hide it from someone who lives with you every day. Right. You might be able to hide it from, you know, this the secretary at the school or something. <laughs> but, you know, your best friend, teacher, probably not. Probably not. No. And here's the thing, you don't want to. Dear,
1: I was going to say.
0: You want to get to the point where you don't have to. You know, especially around the people you love and the people who love you. You don't. Have, this need to hide it is, you know, actually causing part of your damage it's actually creating a, a thought patterns ingrained into your head that you don't want there. And you, know, you have to live with this the rest of your life at, at some level even after you have good meds you still have to it doesn't go yeah. away.
1: No, it's still there.
0: Yeah. And so so you're going to have to come to terms with it. And you know come to stop feeling the need to hide it. And if you enjoy the giddy t- times, enjoy the giddy times and enjoy the, the highs, but, you know, understand that they're not real and understand that, you know, they have their cost at the other side
1: Uh huh.
0: and, you know, once you start understanding all that, then you actually can start making progress onto them, not controlling your life, I think is ultimately what you want to get to, Right yeah and not as someone who doesn't deal with bipolar i deal with anxiety they have parallels but they are not the same thing you know yeah, i can sit there the, some of the generic advice is actually quite similar
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's generic the generic advice how it actually manifest how you actually deal with it on an individual basis
1: is vastly different
0: or can be vastly individualized i should actually say okay what's next
1: how do I get my moods under control? I'm taking meds, but they don't seem to be working. Okay, number one, it takes a long time for them to work. And I would talk to your doctor. Sometimes you need an additional. I take two meds, uh, psych meds. I don't do well with just one or the other. I need two. So I would definitely talk to your doctor. About that, and uh, and and always, of course, counseling that would help. Given eye with I man- towards management techniques.
0: Yeah, well, what I can say is, having having gone through numerous medication changes, is that getting the right medication and understanding how much of it to take takes a long time. It can take a year, it year takes, and a half. It takes a year. And if you get the wrong one, it extends out. You know, if you can go yeah. six months in and say, well, this one's not working. We have to try something else, which means you have to get off of that slowly and then get on the next one slowly. And then, so, you know, it can be a long time, but it's life-changing once you get it right.
1: It sure is. It sure is.
0: And so what we can tell you is to just keep trying. I know it's hard and I know it's easy to say, but you just have to keep trying because ultimately it is worth it. It just is. I've watched it. You know, I haven't got to, I don't. you know, thankfully I, my experience is different, but I've seen it. I've watched it, you know, and I've helped my lobby during that time. And so, yes. you know, patience and perseverance. Two things I am well I guess I'm good at patience. I'm not very great at perseverance with healthcare issues. <laughs> <laughs> patience I've got. Perseverance when it comes to healthcare thing, I'm not so good at. <laughs> so, you know, I'm glass house throwing stones, but just do the best you can. All you can do is the best you can. You can't do more
1: than that. By definition. Okay. Okay, last question. Do people with bipolar disorder tend to enjoy their manic phases as a respite from their severe depression? Or are both phases generally seen as undesirable? Well, that's exactly right. It is a respite. And I miss my manics. I have to admit, but I'm not willing to pay the price. Because high, how high up you go is how hard how hard down far down you're gonna go. It's a hell of a price, and I'm not willing to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, it's if you if your manic is a seven, your depression episode either previously or afterwards is gonna be a seven, and that's a fourteen point swing. And think of that as a Richter scale. That's like having an earthquake. Uh, the fourteen. You, you don't want to do that. You want to keep these things between the ditches you know you're going to end up in ditches, right you're going to end up swings even on medication you end up but if you can keep them say between the threes it's a hell of a lot better than between the sevens or or potentially getting to the tens or whatever right yeah 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 yeah. and so they never completely go away but if you can stay on the road so to speak (laughs) you know that's the goal you may be weaving a little bit but you can stay on the road stop hitting things. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the goal. The goal isn't to be, is if your goal is to get it straight and perfect, it's not going to happen. Reset your expectation. Cause you know, you're always going to be disappointed. Your goal is to stay on the road, keep it manageable. And, you know, kind of, I suppose the whole theme of this show is to stay on the road Keep it manageable, you know. From the very beginning of the show, where everything is going wrong, has been a heck of a reek. Where everything is crashing, everything is uh, having to face, you know, stark dualities of existence. And how do you stay on the road when you're being pushed by two extremes? Well. The road's the only safe place to be. You don't want to get off the road. You don't want to get off to one extreme or one or the other. You end up off the cliff or in a ditch or to a tree. You, know, you, you want to find out ways to, you know, stay on your proverbial path. Stay on your proverbial road. It's a lot safer. And that's it for me and Lubby. We want to let you let you know. We have, thank you for joining us tonight. You can find us at uh, late night So t- don't expect anything to get updated much this until we get internet back up. So, you know, we'll get the podcast up. But and beyond that and the Facebook page, you'll get updated. But beyond that, I can't do much. So um, with love, please remember to love everybody and now oh, please remember to love everybody with love for me and Lubby. good night
1: good night